0: Welcome to Into the Well. I'm your host, Ryan Wilms. I started this show as a place to share my experiences and my journey towards living authentically and mindfully, and also to learn from those who are truly walking the path, healing themselves and inspiring others. By balancing the mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual, we can learn to live in harmony with ourselves and our environment. We'll be exploring different tools and modalities used to create sustainable well-being for a fulfilling life. So thank you for joining me. On this episode, I get a chance to speak with Tete Burrow, who I connected with through a mutual friend shortly after moving to Los Angeles as I joined a song circle um, that was hosted at his house, coincidentally. I didn't really know much about him at the time, but he always had a beautiful energy and brought a lot to the music. Um, But over the last couple of years, I've got to know him much more and shared some sacred space together, uh, some sacred medicine together and just got a little bit more of a glimpse of how special and interesting, rich, dynamic, warm and gentle, bold and powerful this man is. Um, I feel honored that he was down to open up and talk about his work with ayahuasca, uh, his work with music, and a lot more in between the lines of those. And uh, yeah, I just... whenever I think of him, I smile and I'm just grateful that he's been a part of my life and that our paths have crossed. Um, yeah, I think he's just a super interesting guy and hopefully this will just be part one of our discussions. Hope you enjoy it as well. All right. Well, I just want to start off by saying thank you so much, Tete, for, for your time and for the wisdom that you shared with me in our, in our time together in the last year. Uh, I guess it'll get a little bit longer than that since we met, um, in singing song circle um a little while ago through our friend david sutcliffe and uh yeah thanks thanks for what you've shared with me so far and i'm excited to sit down with you now oh dude thank
1: you thank you for having me on on your 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 in, going deep into the well here and uh you've had some amazing humans on this podcast so i'm uh, i'm honored and humbled to be a part of, the, of what you're creating here and with your podcast thanks thanks for asking me
0: Yeah, of course. Well, I think you know part of the journey is seeing the amazingness in in all humans, if possible. But I would definitely categorize you as an amazing human. So (laughs) uh, (laughs) definitely inspiring.
1: Thank you very much, man. Uh, I'll I'll do my best to accept. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I would say that the mirror is on and it's reflecting right back to you. So (laughs) that's how it works.
0: Thank you. Likewise, uh, accepting uh, compliments has definitely been an interesting practice. Yeah. But uh, so to start off with, I'd love to just kind of get a little bit more context on on yourself and your life. You know, where did you grow up and what was that like? And, you know, I know I really just know, um, you know, some of your early, earlier years in New York um, on, on a musical and working in that space. But yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that journey. Yeah, it's
1: interesting working on a musical. Uh, it didn't. I mean, it wasn't really it was is this percussion performance what was it off 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 broadway percussion performance theater called stomp and nobody knew if it was going to work i was part of the uh, the first cast that put it up and uh it was uh it was called a run but ever since I, I was in diapers i was grabbing anything i could and banging on it um i knew when i came out that i was a musician and i was always drawn to that i had this very distinct memory of being four years old and like sitting in uh we had these beautiful, maybe I was a little older, but sitting in these uh, um, French door, uh, vaulted French doors open and just sitting in in the front during the rain and just listening to the music of the rain hit the, hit the lilies up front. And that was, that was cool. The lilies of the valley and the scent of that and the, the smell of the rain and just, just, just being, hearing like a symphony in my head. So yeah. Um, and in, in my household, you know, uh, from my father's side, it was uh, it was essential to take piano and ballet at five, um, and uh, I kept dancing till I was about fourteen, and that was a really beautiful embodying practice. And um, back in uh, Evanston, Illinois, uh, which is the first city north of Chicago, which is uh, some people know it from Northwestern University, it was a really interesting place to grow up. Um, you know, uh, very international community. Uh, my best friends when I was growing up were Johnny Kim from Korea and Slim Idris from uh, Lebanon and um, uh, Kamal Khan from Pakistan and, uh, Robbie and Rob, Ronald Matzik from Switzerland and Mike Adams from the Deep South. So it was just like it was it was really cool to have such a melting pot and um, sort of grow up with this uh, wonderful and this cultural mixing pot, a little bit colorblind, to be honest with you and um and being exposed to you know curry and kimchi and all these different traditions Mm. traditional dress and um and it was a really cool um park commission uh park system around us and right across the street um about a block and a half away was a a field house that was turned into a cultural arts center because it was the it was the 70s so it was super hip to be uh to be cultural, so just being exposed not only to like jazz tap and ballet, but then like salsa and African dancing and African drumming. And I always knew I wanted to be a drummer, but and my family had to wait till you're ten. And, and when they finally turned ten, they put me in a closet with a snare drum, and I played that thing four or five hours a day. And they <laughs> said, "Okay, I guess he's a drummer." So they got me a drum kit. My parents <laughs> and uh, I graduated to the living room, and eventually, I graduated to the basement in a foam padded room where I would sit and play the records all day long. Um, just, just, you know, just for the joy of, of playing music, I mean, the operative word being play. And I, I think that's something I carry in the, in the song circles that I carry is like, you know, the, uh, we're, we're playing instruments, we're not working them, you
0: know,
1: mm-hmm. so to sort of be where we are and express. And I love that, that form of expression. So, yeah, my, my form of expression is, is, has always been musical, um, to an extent and I, um, when I went to New York originally, it was, um, to enter into production and I got into Stomp, which was cool. It helped, uh, it was a great passport to enter into New York, that crazy domain of New York City. I was there for 21 years. And afterwards I started a production company with with a partner, Sam Hollander. And we, we wrote a lot of songs and got a lot of bands signed and did all these, this kind of thing and really learned production, you know, 14, 17 hour days at the, at the desk, just really learning how to record and. Pretty much been making records um, since my, I guess, mid-20s. You know, had some opportunities to tour with different bands and do all this kind of stuff as well. Um, but it was always music that was the, the, the thing. And I would have like a house music um song that got quite popular and everyone wanted me to do house music. And I, I was interested in working with this other artist. And then I got, got an opportunity to work with Carol King and it was like, oh, okay, let's do that. And then got an opportunity to work with the Bahaman men. And it was like, okay, let's do that. And some commercial stuff. And then, but then it just like around the two thousands, it just got really ugly. Um I remember being in our, in our studio and they, an AR rep brought in a 16-year-old girl and said, um, she's going to uh I want you guys to produce her. So what is she gonna do? where well, she's gonna write? Well, what's she gonna write? Uh does she play an instrument? Does she sing? Uh well she's a singer and um but uh yeah, she'll write lyrics. And uh, the good thing about her is she's got nine years before she gets fat. <laughs> and this oh. is like the AR rep saying it in front of her. Wow. and i'm just looking at her going like this isn't right for me anymore this do- this doesn't work and that that kind of i mean what does a 16 year old know about shit and pain and piss which <laughs> by my french is which is what makes great love songs you know um that that perspective to have gone through that um so i kind of lost interest and i sort of pulled back into my um apartment in, in harlem and uh, where I had a studio set up throughout the house and uh, all, the mic, you know, all the different rooms were mic'd up. And I started working on uh, world music. And uh, in particular, I did a song, uh, an album called Boley to Harlem. It's an Ethiopian um, uh, sort of, it was like, what if we could take a bus from Ethiopia and, and bring it back to to Harlem? And, and the sort of blending of like all the music in Harlem, all the hip hop and also all the African music. And it was uh, a real melting pot project. And it was a cool world record in the day. And I, you know, just did a bunch of like, uh, did a bunch of music for yoga you know, back in the days mm-hmm. called the yoga sessions. And most recently I started one called the medicine sessions because, um, there seems to be a lot, a lot of, um, um, uh, <clears throat> people out there putting out quote unquote medicine music. And I listen to it. I'm like, Hmm. Uh, for me, it's, it's about having that heart connection when you're creating the music. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily in the style. And sometimes in the West form over function, um, it's uh you know, people go for form over function. And so it becomes a bit uh orientalized um the the, the music or or sort of exoticized rather than just actually doing the thing that you wanted to do, which is bring you the medicine of mm-hmm. presence. And um, so I started re- recording a series of music because I said, Well, why not? You know, <laughs> why well, I could sit here and complain about what others are doing, or I could just do something myself. And so I I, I decided to do that, but uh, um yeah. So, um, that's like a background thing, you know, New York was cool, but New York's like a, like a really intense relationship where the sex is great, but the, they're alcoholic and they beat you up <laughs> and steal your money, you know? So at a certain point you, you, you wise up and you leave. So I don't know. I've been here in uh, LA maybe eight years now, interesting okay. place to come to. And I, I, understand, um, from my walk that spirit sent me here cause there's a lot of work to do. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, and this is, the, but there's also a wonderful community here of, of people that are, are really waking up and, um, well, which, which comes with a lot of connotation. Um, so I don't want to say anybody's woke or anything like, that. I don't want to get into <laughs> like, antics, but, um, people are just waking up to their own, to their own sovereignty and, and their own, their own choices. And if, we have a wonderful community that you've been a part of. So it's, it's been awesome to have you and, uh, man, I just so appreciate your, your gentle and strong presence. You know, the your balance between your masculine and feminine is uh is really, really great. And that's something that I really value in in friends. And uh I always I, I really appreciate you because I always know that you're gonna tell it to me straight. You're not gonna sugar. <laughs> it, you're not gonna be a yes guy, you know. You're like, hate that day, that uh that last song was uh where was that coming from? You know, or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And then um yeah, and then I, I you know, I started getting into film work and uh <clears throat> i uh there was this one uh film that i had uh done the music for called dmt the spirit molecule and
0: uh
1: yeah yeah, it was like a talking heads documentary and to be honest with you i was sort of not really into that whole concept and uh of injecting people with pure dmt in the hospital room it felt very irresponsible to me and i I believe that the guy that was running the test the doctor also said so um and, uh, but I was interested in these experiences that people were having in, in the film, there was two, uh, there was, well, there's a couple moments. One was I was doing a spotting session and uh, where you decide where you put the music. And so I'm sitting there all alone because the director was in Texas. He's an awesome guy. But the the, the doctor who's in, interviewed in the film goes at some point, he goes by some feat of preliterate chemistry. The ancient Amazonians discovered that by combining these two plants that could create orally active DMT. And I just hit the space bar and I folded my arms and I went, you pompous ass scientific. No, it all thinking oh, that's your word for it they knew exactly what they're doing because they <laughs> had the intelligence of the plants and the information that all they did was listen to the plants and the plants told them what to do and I like huh so there you go and, and I had no reference for it whatsoever and at that moment I literally I like had like this huh moment and I pulled back like four feet behind myself and above myself looking at myself sitting there alone in my room going on this tirade going, what the heck is this about? And then shoo, I came back into my body and I was like, okay, that's weird. I got to go make a tea. So, um, but in the film, there was two, uh, two people that spoke about ayahuasca and it was very interesting to me. And um, they seemed really grounded and really also cautious, but also very like, you know, um, reverence, I think is the word I wanted to to use, which, um, is 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 an interesting word for this day because there's uh, I, I'm I'm finding um, um, a distinct lack of reverence in our younger generations, but uh, that we can come to that later. And I it definitely will sound like an old fogey when I talk about that, but that's okay. <laughs> but uh, and uh, so I turned in the film on a Wednesday, and a Thursday morning, my friend sent me an email saying, "Hey man, do you want to go on this trip with me to Peru?" And I was like, "Yeah, let's go." And what do I do? He said, "Send in your deposit, and then I'll tell you." And I, all he did was tell me about uh, uh, what not to eat. He didn't tell <laughs> me anything about the experience, and which was great. Because when I got there and in, in my first sit, I just immediately launched in the uh, – puked my guts out for about nine minutes and that's that's coming down from the fisherman's tale of probably a half an hour but for about <laughs> seven nine minutes I puked my guts out and afterwards i felt so good i was just like woo like like literally like that and wasn't seen out of my eyes i had a scarf over my eyes and i realized that as the the the, the room turned into the stone temple and my first cognitive thought in the in medicine was oh i remember this place mm-hmm. remember and it was this deep remembering and it hit me like it just blew my heart open and it also came with a weight you know and um that started a sort of um uh two-year journey of sitting with the quechua and kofan tribes um um and understanding what their traditions were about what their medicine was about and sort of exploring and then um i met uh my the Shipibos. I met uh, my two Shipibo teachers and um, organized something for them down in Peru. And we went down there and um, when we first, so I met my friend had suggested I just help him out to organize and we had done our first sit together. So I said, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take a trust on him. And when we met, it was just sort of like, Oh, it's you. Oh, it's you. And that started the, when the first um, opening chant in his ceremony, I was, back in that stone temple and it was just like a, uh, a reminder to me like okay you found the source for you and <clears throat> my first chant um this woman chonan was chanting to me and i i could feel uh the chant moving through my body doctoring me pulling things out uh, moving the medicine within me and restructuring everything and it was so profound and uh in that moment, I was like, wow, there's, and I also witnessed what was going on in the room and, and the sort of deep soul work that was going on and, you know, people being healed of karmic wounds and, and all these things. And I had the vision to be able to see all this going on. And I was like, wow, this is far out. I don't think there's any higher uh, form of uh, application of music that I've connected with that is so profound, like to sing for one soul. You Know, like, um, and that started me on a, a path that, and, and many other stories that, um, you probably have to invite me back to tell <laughs> because they're quite long, um, but got me on the path. And you know, some really deep ones and really profound ones, very moving ones, and seeing people being healed of, of things and seeing witnessing someone's soul being returned to their body, um, after just the worst kind of trauma that you've ever experience i've ever seen in my life um i didn't think it was possible for someone to live through it and and just sort of going okay um i've been sort of dabbling in this but i'm, I'm and i've died it already i've done a, a sama but i want to go deeper and i want to i want to learn and does this mean i have to move to a hut in in peru <laughs> uh, no it, it's uh, the medicine was very clear it was like no just keep keep studying so that opened up a um a long period of study with the plants and uh Um, I think you've talked on one of your other podcasts about about your experiences in dieta.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's very deep, and you know the the connection to clarity from within yourself. You know, you mentioned with your soul, with your heart, or you know, my with my soul and my heart. You know that before discovering this medicine and working with ayahuasca, like I was just so disconnected from those parts of myself. And honestly, never even thought about them. You know, I didn't consider them in the way that I experience them now. It Mm. it just felt so, it feels so foreign. Like, I feel like, you know, they talk about in our lives as we walk around, we're only, you know, conscious of 5% of what's going on at any given time. And I kind of think, well, if I'm conscious of 5% of it now, I must have been conscious of 2% of it before, you know, like... (laughs) It's a, I just feel like almost an entirely different person. And I think it's, you know, a lot of it is, you know, you kind of noted it with that sense when you're in the stone temple, it's like remembering and coming home and it's such a sort of return and, and reconnection is like kind of been a huge part of my process is like reconnection to myself, to my heart, to the planet, to nature and, you know, that can't go on without being more connected with other people and, and things like that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's,
1: we're speaking exactly where the song uh, Come Home to the Planet was birthed hmm. from that process. So, yeah, but for those that may not know what we're talking about, um, so in Shapibo, the way that uh, we could join with a, the spirit of a plant and we go into a period of learning with that plant as we go into what's a process that the should people call sama but uh, the provian um, uh, the provian joke of it sort of is, is dieta and the reason why is because there's very strict restrictions of what you can and cannot eat and one of the things two of the things you can't eat are salt and sugar which are very prevalent in provian cooking so when they see that you can't eat that they go ha, ha you're on a diet <laughs> you know um, But yeah, it's like no salt, no sugar, no pork, no red meat, no dairy, nothing fermented, um, no stimulants, and no sex, right? And you go into that for a period of time. My first dieta was three and a half months. My second was four months. Um, Then started going just like one month at a time to brew twice a year. And then smaller diets here, smaller diets there, opening remote diets. And then really the crossover for being able to really hold the work and, uh, and get the knowledge uh, for the work is the one year dieta to hold the one year dieta because mm-hmm. it teaches you a lot about your container and then you can start to ex- extend that container to others, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what's uh, allowed me to go down to Peru and, and, and lead, lead groups down there and, uh, and work with other curanderos and curanderas. But, um, yeah it's uh it's it's far out stuff and it's 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 an amazing technology this this technology um that the that the peruvians have um <clears throat> uh that the should people have in particular i mean the ship people language is a a very intricate seed sound language things are as they sound um and it's uh, it's very um technical and yet it's also very poetic <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah so it's uh it's 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 just far out, and when we sing in a ceremony we're singing to the, um literally activate we're singing as sort of like we sit the place where we sit is that conduit between that eighth dimensional consciousness of the medicine and the person's third dimensional intention to literally sing to the medicine that's in within them to guide that medicine um, it is from our understanding the medicine wants to be guided you can drink it and just sit there, and it's not going to be different it'll be totally different once we start singing right? Yeah. Um, to then do what that person wants it to do to create that healing. And that's where it becomes like a co facilitating um, healing process, you know, it's a it's a healing process of co facilitation, because we have people coming um, that want that, are you know, want to heal from things that want to grow in different ways that want to uh, expand want to, to protect themselves better want to learn more about their inner worlds. And this is Like what you're saying is like, you know, connecting to the planet and connecting to everything. Well, I believe there is this, you know, we've seen this movie, The Matrix, and it shows us this wonderful technical matrix, but that's not really from this planet. That's something different. And there is a matrix on this planet, and it's incredibly, incredibly sophisticated. I mean, it's like, it's mind boggling when you really get into it. And the should people call it the studio ibu dios which is the technology of God, which is really the technology Mm -hmm. of light. I mean you got you got plants and trees that are self-replicating that take only what they need and leave nothing behind completely regenerative and um completely uh part of and feeding you know ecosystems around them and, and thriving on their own without <laughs> anything I mean, yeah. it's incredible technology and I don't know if people sometimes uh take 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 a moment to like look at that and I'll I'll ask people sometimes I'll say so, how supported by the plants are you do, you, do you think? And they're like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm like, well, take a deep breath. And they do. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you get it? Do you get it? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because those plants, we don't breathe. And they don't, what do they ask? They ask nothing of us. Yet we, I had this dream that, um, you know, these aliens came down to the planet and they're like, you know, okay, we're here to help. But
0: why the heck did you guys cut all your trees down?
1: What are you, what are you doing?
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so that's so interesting. And like, you know, the way the way that that part of the DMT film struck you where the guy is like scientifically like analyzing the discovery of ayahuasca and like combination of these plants. You know, we as humans are just so insanely naive to think that we are so powerful and smart when you look at the wisdom of a of a tree. You know, it's like in perfect harmony. It's like the perfect essence of wisdom. It's not making up things 23 out of 24 hours a day to stress it out and kill itself before it needs to die, you know, like we're doing all the time. And I think for me, like seeing more of that magic of the universe has been, you know, an unfolding Um, I remember after maybe my first diet, there was a time I was sitting outside and it was just like, holy, the sun is just like the absolute perfect distance from the earth (laughs) for that sun that's just insanely massive and powerful to feel so nice and warm and give me vitamins and tan my skin and I can just sit here and enjoy it. Create water. While the plants around me are co-creating water and giving me air and oxygen and you know it's been an unfolding to now when I go for runs I'm like oh thank you body thank you trees thank you ocean thank you sky thank you sun you know it's just like continues to blow my mind and you know, I've been listening to more Alan Watts lately and I find his poetic sense of talking about you know the universe is just Peopling like an apple tree, apples, and we are just like little tiny bits at the end of the expression of the universe in this moment, you know. And the perspective of that is, mm. it, it brings like a lightness to things that feel heavy when they don't necessarily need to be a lot of the time. Uh, yeah, I get it. I, I was thinking of this
1: moment of you sitting under this tree, and um, it, it brings me to that. You know, the, the, that that was a traditional way to die is you just go sit under a tree you drink you eat and drink what spirit brings you for a year. And you know, uh, you were talking about uh, just the Western Shenan or the Western mind. Uh, you know, I, people say this Western culture, I, I disagree. I don't think we have a culture in um, uh, the West. I think we have a Western society mm-hmm. um, that takes cultures and um, commodifies them and takes anything sacred or anything cool. And immediately com- commodifies it and takes it out of the, like the the connection of what it is and turns it into this form. Um, yeah, but it's completely lost in touch with this this function. And part of the reason why is this um, this overemphasis, as I see it, as uh, on the intellect. And um yeah. you know, you know, this guy Sadhguru. He talks about it was great. They invited him to talk on this AI conference, so I'm sort of quoting Sadhguru. But he was just really quickly just talking about the four that the mind in Vedic system breaks up into sort of four quadrants and but they those four quadrants have four different uh, parts to them as well and but the first part is intellect and you want your intellect to be sharp you want it to be able to die you know sharp and is good for dissecting things but if you dissect a flower you he says you you look at it but you can tell what it's about but you don't have any flower left so don't dissect your mother right and then and then the second part is identity and it seems that uh, you know So we've seen you want your intellect to be sharp. So it's like a knife. So you've seen what identity can do in the world when it's just relying on the intellect. You know, that's like, I am a Nazi and I'm doing this, or I am this and I'm doing this, or I am uh, God's warrior and I'm doing this, you know, Mm -hmm. the list goes on and on of how things get bent out of shape. But then the next quadrant over is um, from, from identity. And, Really, the, the the identity that we get exposed to in the medicine is I am the universe and the universe is me and I am a part of this. And I'm, it's more than Mother Earth. It is it's it's I am Earth. I am, my body is the accumulation of everything I ever ate in my life and my mother ate, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's like there's, there's really no separation. So when you're saying thank you, win and thank you, see, we're just thanking ourselves and it feels mm-hmm. great. In that, that space of self-love, right? Um, but this third part of the mind, as he describes it is, uh, is memory. And that's another thing that you mentioned was like remembering your connection to this planet, remembering your connection to everything living un- or understanding that feeling that that connection to the sun beaming down on you. Uh, and that memory that's locked in our genetics, which a, a lot of us have decided to come back here to in, and are doing this, this game of life to heal this. These genetic wounds that we're, we're carrying, or or that mm-hmm. we have the opportunity to heal. But then the fourth part of this quadrant of, of the mind is perhaps the most important, and it's something that brings us full circle back to the intellect, which is Shiva or that which is not or nothingness, basically, you know, no thought. To be in this space, and one of the ways Sadhguru describes it is: you look up to the sky, and it's, you know, our eyes gravitate gravitate to these points of light, but. 80, 98.5% of what we're seeing up there is total blackness, darkness. And people say, well, it's just darkness. Yes, but out of that darkness came everything. Hmm. You know, the Big Bang came from the darkness. So it's not nothing, it's an energy. And and in there comes original thought. You know, um, here I am quoting Sadhguru. And so even what I what I have learned is my mind is an accumulation of things that I've learned. And yet what the medicine has allowed me to do is have original thought, and that's coming generally in the form of musical expressions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the purest things. And, and some some perspectives that I understand myself that I don't think I can necessarily share with others. But, you know, but it's when we have that fully balanced mind and we give ourselves an opportunity. And and I'll, I'll tell you, you know, the medicine for me is the way that I've chosen to to have my spiritual practice of knowing myself and going into my, into my stuff and doing, quote-unquote, the work, which is like facing my demons, facing my darkness, integrating it. Um, balancing my masculine, my feminine, doing all those, all, the, all that work. There's many paths to it. You know, uh, people through things like Buddhism uh, have found it. Uh, people through uh, things like martial arts practices, Qigong have uh, found it. Um, Taoists have found it. You know, I mean, it's like it, it it exists everywhere. I mean, you look at Mother Teresa and obviously she somehow through that structure, she found this, <laughs> like this enlightening principle and really lived yeah. by it and lived an amazing life of being someone who was here to share and give to others. And, and ultimately I think that's what it's about, which is why I'm psyched to be on here. Cause you're giving mm-hmm. this opportunity to meet people that you have uh, been exposed to and, 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 groove on. So, yeah, man. So I don't know. I kind of got off the
0: track. But- <laughs> no, yeah. it's great. Yeah, I feel like there's so many uh, things that you said that I would love to dive into. But yeah, I agree. You know, there are many paths, you know, to that home within ourselves and to that remembering from, you know, sport and music to martial arts and so many other spiritual practices.
1: I needed I needed to state it because because we're talking about the medicine. What happens is that um, someone will drink the medicine. A Westerner will drink the medicine. They go, "Oh my God, I found it." This is it. Everyone's got to mm-hmm. do it. You've got to do it. And then basically what happens, is they get up on the pulpit, and then they're no different than the missionaries that went into South America right. and told the Native, Ameri- the Native Americans down there that they couldn't have their practices mm-hmm. because they had, to, they had to do this. Yeah. And it's, it's real important for us to, to be aware that, um, you know, the medicine is for everyone and everyone's not for the medicine and that there's different medicines for everybody and that we mm-hmm. are the Ultimately, each one of us is, is, is the medicine you know um and 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 this is why we're doing these these music concerts so we can just like these in the home concerts so we can just be together in community even even through the trying times where we were just like everybody has to get tested before we meet fine fair enough but like we need to be together human human beings need to be together right now more than ever that's like more than ever um (laughs) i'll share with you just something that's coming to mind which is um You know, when this first, when the lockdown first happened, a bunch of us that, um, have studied in this people tradition and done a lot of samas, a lot of diets, you know, we sort of called each other sort of giggling in a way. It looks like the whole world's on dieta right now, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because this is exactly what we do. We would isolate ourselves, you know, and sit and be really present and listen, you know, listen to spirit and create that, that space for Shiva, for nothingness that then things can, can come through. And, um, you know, I, I just, you know, it, I think it's been, I've witnessed a lot of people myself included where it's just been an amazing opportunity. I mean, my house is 50% lighter of stuff because I had time to go through all that stuff mm-hmm. and I had time to like clean and I'm just constantly refining Cause I'm like, if this is where I have to be, it can either be a jail cell or this can be like the coolest ever retreat center. So <laughs> uh, most inspiring retreat center, you know? And I was a little shocked that like, um, our, our quote unquote leadership in this country wasn't a bit more like inspiring for people like, Hey, everybody plant a garden. Like yeah. can you imagine if we had, um, and a lot of people did anyway, but mm-hmm. like to really get people like, to ground in and, 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 uh, but I, I think there's some amazing things happening from this, this process and I'm going to stay on the positive side of it and sin, you know, keep praying for, um, for, uh, everything to, to, to work out in a good way. Um, mm-hmm but uh yeah it was kind of funny the 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 the, uh, the dieta reference <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think you know it there was and is that opportunity right and i think a lot of people have taken that on to you know literally clean out their their houses and metaphorically really clean out their houses as well um and you know unfortunately there isn't that leadership you know there isn't that guidance or that inspiration like you said and that um, you know, again, the importance of community and people that you can trust and lean on and, you know, help inspire you with that is so important. And, you know, that was not there for everyone. Um, but I think, you know, so much of that is, you know, especially with diets is, uh, you know, we talk about intention going into the ceremony space. And I think with diets, especially an in intention and alongside that intention is is courage. You know, it's like so... Courageous and brave to do this sort of work that you're talking about—to go on a diet, to go into the ceremony space, to be willing to look into that darkness—and you know that can be in like a martial art. You know, like that takes courage to go put yourself on a jujitsu mat. Um, But I think that's such a like important part of this journey. Whatever the sort of tools that you're using happen to be, and. It doesn't feel like that is uh, something that's encouraged as much as it it could be. And I, yeah, and I,
1: yeah, it's kind of like the thing that that shifts each one of those. And I hope I didn't interrupt you. Is just consciousness. You know, like, are you conscious when you're going on that on jujitsu mat? That this is what it is. You know, mm-hmm. are you are you aware of that? This is teaching you. Are you aware that this is a, a an ability to learn? Mm-hmm. Uh, are we bringing consciousness into what we're doing and awareness into what we're doing Mm -hmm. and are we seeing and we, are we learning from our mistakes? So no matter what practice you're in, you can, I've met people that have been drinking the medicine for 30 years and they're a mess, (laughs) mess, absolute mess. So it's, it's like, unless you bring consciousness into it, it's, it can just, it can actually fuel to perpetuate stuff the same way any, any spiritual practice can, you know, yoga teachers that are completely full of themselves mm-hmm. to, in like, in like an emotionally damaging way to their students. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. like, really? Like, uh, really? Okay. Yeah. You know, so it's about how to, I, I think it's really about the consciousness that we bring into whatever practice we're doing, whether it be
0: playing piano or walking around the block, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's so, such an important part of it and what you get out of it. And, you know, I think that kind of leads me to something that I've never really spoken about on the podcast, which is, I think is interesting is, you know, the way you talked about our sort of culture, society, um, you know, capitalizing on, well, our society capitalizing on culture, essentially you know, and your, your own journey, it sounds like where you grew up, you're exposed to lots of different cultures and musics and foods. And then you went to New York, which is probably the biggest, you know, melting pot of those things. And through your travel and everything like that, you know, you, the way that you honor and cherish and respect, you know, a multitude of cultures especially from, from what I've seen with food and music and uh ritual you know how how do you find yourself like approaching that and there's so much talk in our society about cultural appropriation and there's a lot of negative you know uses of that I would get say in the uh these days you know but I, but you come at it from what I see as a very different angle and I'm just curious your, of your perspective on that oh, I think you know look you know
1: the cultural appropriation thing is way out of line. It's, it's way out of line. I, I forget this comedian's name, but he did a really nice special on it. uh, The other day he does that late show. What's this, the guy's name. He just started wearing glasses. (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) Okay. So he did this thing on it. He was talking about Hawaiians. Uh, There was an article written in the the New York times about, um, you know, that, <clears throat> this shouldn't be in. Uh, uh, surfing was just added, but uh, you know the the Hawaiians are still offended that we've stolen their their national pastime or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, the, I guess the same way that the Koreans are offended that Taekwondo is a part of the Olympics and that the French are offended that tennis is part of the Olympics and you know the downhill skiing that Swiss are offended on the downhill ski jump and you know like come on, it's like the whole point of the Olympics is to share, it. and then somebody's trying to make this this thing. So I think it's like. This, the, 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 the cultural appropriation has gotten so, so out of control, and, and, and it's just misguided. I think it's people with that um, maybe are feeling um, a little bit weird of wh- how, how to place their guilt of their their potential role in decimating actual cultures. But the thing is, uh, when people have become exposed to cultures, especially musical, I mean, I, I go down to Peru. I mean, I go down to Brazil, and I was playing in, uh, in Carnival in Bahia. Drumming up on a trio electrical with um seven of my other brothers and you know and playing all night and wearing wearing my Brazilian beads and my brazilian gear and it's like when I feel like going out and drumming, I put on my Brazilian gear because that gets, that's something that I've i have gone through and I've earned that, you know, that right to wear that, you know, mm-hmm. having gone through that, that crucible and like done these things. And, and um, moreover than that, it's like, it's, it's exciting to me, you know, and uh, well, I'm not going to stop that because somebody says that that's cultural appropriation. They can say whatever they want. Like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think what, what, what the beauty is, is that when we can, when we can have respect for the, the, things that um you know when when people are putting on when they're going to burning man they're putting on um uh native american headdresses but they don't know anything about it um you know is it cultural appropriation or is it the person longing for connection you know Mm -hmm. there's different ways to see it you know that person is longing for that connection and um and 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 they only get to express it one week a year during burning man it's rather sad to me. Yeah. Uh, on, on some point, or not sad. I don't want to like sound like judgmental. Uh, I just mean it's like I, I want that person to, to try to find their their own expression, um, or if they're drawn to that cultural expression, like find an Nipi they can get into. Find a sweat lodge, or a local like find a local tribe. Start mm-hmm. working with. Them, start going to the reservations if you've ever been to a reservation on this on this in this nation it's a very deep teaching process and mm-hmm. just um, how how the native americans are treated and how they're they're living and the, what the governments are doing to them still to this day it's insane it's uh it's not insane it's crazy um so yeah so it's like where do we go with it really and where's what's the end of this this uh you know uh what is this thing called cultural appropriation? I mean, it's like, you know, come on guys. It's like find something else to do on media. And really I see it as as something that was a springboard of social media, which, you know, you know, all these, most of these things are being going on on Facebook, which, started as a way for guys to rate girls on how sexy they were, if they wanted to sleep with them or not. So let's just keep it in, in, in perspective. And it's, it's turned into this like, like or not. And like, there's nothing gray and there's no, there's no discussion and there's no questions. So like, that's the thing about it is like somebody sees that and says, Hmm, I wonder if uh, this guy Tete was, uh, you know, ever in Brazil or like it knows anything about Brazilian drumming. And then, then they get the answer and then they're like, oh, okay, then that's cool. You know, but like for people to make these assumptions immediately that people aren't don't deserve to have this or don't deserve to express their thing in this way, and come on, it's like we're human beings. It's like let's express in the way we we want to, and, and 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 try to have reverence and respect for every everybody that we respect uh, that we, you know, in the ways that we express, you know, but ultimately. It, Ultimately, we're not disrespecting the tribe. The people aren't; those people aren't disrespecting the tribes. They're just, just 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 disrespecting themselves because they haven't taken the time to learn something deeper about it. Right. That's just the truth, and you know, and you, uh, I don't know if you've seen like on Jay Leno, and they they went to a college campus, and they this guy wore a sombrero and like the Mexican outfit. He's like, "What do you think?" And they're like, "That's culture appropriation, dude." And the same guy walked down to like the the Mexican um, shopping center area, uh, you know, like the little Mexican plaza. And he's like, "What do you think, of my outfit?" They're like, "That's a nice sombrero, dude." You know, like, <laughs> the Mexicans didn't have any problem with. It. They're like, "Hey, you look good. It looks nice on you." Like, like, come on, man. Like, let's all we all you know living in LA. Let's all wear sombreros. It makes sense. Keeps the sun off our heads. You know. So right. you know, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I shed any historic light on that or anything, but, uh, you know, it's, it's silly. I, I read this article where these two um, college graduates <clears throat> had um, opened a taco restaurant in San Francisco, and they called it like La Margarita Tacos or something like that. And um, uh, basically, they got banned by all these, pe- these self-righteous people. Um, they picketed the things saying that they didn't have it was cultural appropriation because they weren't Mexican. And there are two white, white girls that wanted open tacos. And the the tragedy was they were good tacos. Right. (laughs) You know, and, and they got closed for that. I'm like, do you know how many pizza places are owned by Greek guys? Do you know how many sushi joints are owned by Chinese families? I mean, where is this going to stop? You know? So uh, it's, 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 it's definitely gotten out of control. And I think I'm just praying that common sense will, will, will will prevail, you know?
0: Um, (laughs) That would be, that's a nice wish. (laughs) across the board yeah so just kind of changing gears back a little bit to uh, (laughs) to uh you know this the ceremony space and music i remember distinctly Mm. this one experience i had Mm. where i felt like i was it wasn't one of the nights where i was in the darkest holes that i've been in it was a little bit more of an expansive um fun journey to i guess in some ways at least for parts of it but one of it um you know the 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 shaman holding space uh, they're very deep in the shipibo tradition so is the shipibo Mm -hmm. chanting style and it was like i zoomed in to the like molecule of the vibration that the chanting was creating through the air and going into people and seeing how that is like manipulated and, and like you were kind of saying, activating and working with the medicine in the body and all the cells and, you know, navigating through and finding things and unearthing things. And I'm just curious to know a little bit more, you know, somebody who has so much experience in that space and specifically with music in this space, which, you know, it's such a powerful, whether it's chanting or with instruments The way that music in that space is, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life, you know, in in so many ways to bring tears to help you travel deep, almost like a power drill at times. But it's just like the beauty and power and robust and richness of those vibrations in that space is just, it's really indescribable Is for me, I guess. You know, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever witnessed. I think, and I'm just curious to know a little bit more. You know, I guess you know the the soul experience of that, but also maybe a little bit of the sort of technical, if I can even use that word, experience that you have with that. Yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: Um, there was a night where the the medicine showed me that there's really nothing you can't do with sound, and uh, I uh, knew a friend or who was a Back in New York, model and who always wanted to go swim with the dolphins. And uh, she had really, really badly sprained her knee to the point where she couldn't walk. And she was determined to go. So she got on the plane anyway and went. Her knee was super swollen. And she basically, you know, uh, bargained her way to get in the water with, with the dolphins. And when she did, this one dolphin came up to her, swam around her a couple of times and then just pushed her against the wall pinned her against the wall and just started going,
0: you
1: know, making the dolphin noises that it did. And basically the handlers came over and weren't sure what was going on, but she wasn't panicked. So they just sort of allowed it to happen, then pulled away and went away. And then they lifted her out and she's like, wow. And she was like, started walking right away. And they are just. What just happened? They looked down at her knee, and her knee wasn't swollen anymore, and there was nothing wrong with it. Which is, um, I forget the actual the actual tool that uh, uh, that we now what what is called the um, uh, th- that they actually use in orthopedics now. But it's uh, it's is, is it that they mim- they use dolphin vibrations to to mimic. I forget the name of the of the of the tool. But it's uh, you know you ever you know what I'm talking about where they put a gel on the knee and then they put it on and it's ultrasound. Oh yeah. Okay. So this is this is the same thing. So it's like when you're in ceremony, you're receiving an ultrasound thing, mm. and what we do during um, technically, um, if there's anything that's being quote unquote done, um, actually I'm not doing anything in, in ceremony. I'm actually getting out of my own way to let the plants do what they want to do, but. Uh, when we 're in that that long process of of sama the 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 plants are teaching us not only their melodies and their rhythms but also their their like their their frequency or their their for people we say their make or um, um uh we could call it like their timbre, right and there's mm-hmm. different timbres and it's like if you can think of it as like as a chant has happened it's like literally a sonar going out right. and yeah. that sonar was coming in. And those vibrations the body is receiving it, you know, if you hold up your hands and speak in front of your hands, you can feel, you can feel your own vo- voice, not the air of it, uh, but the vibration going into your hands. Mm-hmm. Everybody, can try it. Just stick your hands in front of you, and just, just even speaking, and you'll feel the vibration in your hands. So it's like you're you're hearing with much more than your ears. You know,
0: yeah. Um, I I've I've started to cut you off, but just as an example, like I find if I'm lying in bed and there's like a loud sound a block away, I'll feel a wave ripple through me of mm-hmm. that vibration. And I'm like, I didn't used to be aware of that, but now I'm like, I can feel that. It's, and it's yeah. so interesting.
1: I'm sure that your ceremonial work has brought you more <laughs> in tune with, with um, solar you know, um, experiences of beingness, like, like vibration and sound and light. And ultimately, light, um, singing is a form of light. You know, um, sound is light slowed down, which is wild. Um, scent is light slowed down. I mean, the the fact that they can, um, uh, they take sense and they register them as uh, they, they measure them as frequencies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like rose is the highest frequency of any scent. It's like, wait a minute, frequency. So you're talking about that? It's a vibration. Is that what you know? So like, scent is a vibration as well. So you can see like. And this is why the should people use a lot of we use a lot of like water may scents uh, or like what we call uh, you know it, uh like um, perfumes mm-hmm. um that'll be like uh, flower extracts with and alcohol because those those scents your olfactory lenses don't lie right and it can really mm-hmm. reflect your experience and it can also like really create some doctoring experiences as well um depending on what what uh, what's being used but yeah. Uh, yeah it's um did that answer sort of touch on the question
0: yeah a little bit you know something you just said actually like how your those senses don't lie right like it's the sort of mind and ego is the thing that's getting in our own way as you kind of just <laughs> said and I've found that in my own experience um for sure but it's interesting to think about I haven't really thought about you know, especially in the ceremony space, the, the vibrations, the sound, the sense. Working with you, it's like unfiltered by the the mind, I guess, in many ways. Um, and to be able to get to truths, get to truths in our body that we've held, things we've pushed away, things we've denied, um, that makes a lot of sense in terms of how that could sort of work and with the medicine as well. Yeah, because uh if someone's having a
1: challenging experience Then they might get some watering or they might get some, um, you know, some perfumes that have rose in it or something. And then you can't, if you're in this dog shit place, but all of a sudden you smell roses, it, it, roses don't smell like dog shit. <laughs> the ego may be creating this, this, this dog poop world that you're in. Right. And then some, and then we use a perfume that has roses in it. And it's like, the roses are distinctly not dog poop. <laughs> Dog (laughs) was distinctly not roses. So, what it can really do is it can cut through all those layers that the ego may be layering on of story. That this experience was so da 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 da, and it had all this and da 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 da. But that's just like layers of protection that we thought our, our younger self thought was necessary around a certain subject and so it's created layers and layers of story when the center part you know i've got this song and i sing that i'm sure you've you've heard it uh, what if i was to say it's much easier than we've made this to be right mm-hmm. and i wanted to say it's much more basic because it's not <laughs> easy because our egos will take uh, take something to make it distinctly not easy and when I've been able to, to get to cut through the crap and get to the center of the, of the tootsie roll, it's, it's always been much more of a basic understanding that redirected the whole thing. Like, wow, I, I had painted this whole thing on it, but, the, and they're like, well, oh, just sit up or, you know, or <laughs> you know, just, just get up in the morning or, you know, whatever, whatever the, the I, I don't, I'm. I'm that's maybe horrible ideas, but like it was always much more, more basic, you know, much yeah. more basic than what my ego had turned it into. This big story, oh, this is gonna, this is calamity, and this is gonna happen, and if I don't do this, this is gonna happen, and oh my god, I have to worry about this thing, and I'm preoccupied with this, and then what what this says in my horoscope is this, and all this all, all this outside information feeding our ego. And creating all these stories. So like, yeah, the, the perfumes and, and then, and then he oftentimes going back to the singing. Um, <clears throat> it's like, uh, I've had guys come up to me, rah, as one guy came up and approved, he's like growling on the floor and he was like all resistant. And he was like, he just, he's, he came in all his like uninitiated male bravado, you know, just rah, this is what I'm. I'm an ultorongo, whatever. And came and he sat in front of me. And he was just, his energy was just looking for the fight. You know, so part of me wanted to go and start chanting in like a really intense way. To, and then I'm like, and I sort of like leaned back. And as I did, I knocked over this thing and I knocked it over. I said, what is that? And I picked it up. It was my harmonica. And I was like, oh yeah. So I took my harmonica out and I put it back and shh. Touch my chakapon. Like for me, one of the ways that I I sort of don't drive the boat is just I observe everything, and then there are no mistakes. So if I touch something or find something, it's the medicine directing me towards that. So I picked up my my chakapon and I blew some beautiful, you know, waddinga very um, sweet smelling perfume on the on the Chakapa. and I just started shh and do do playing the softest you know, melody on the harmonica, just really, really sweet. And the guy just, <laughs> like, you know, and I was like, cool, just sit him up and he's fine and you know, give yeah. him some water and he was fine. And I just kept playing and and mm-hmm. really played to the sweetness in him. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't have to play to that, to that ego projection that that he had created for protection, you know, like yeah. ah, stuff blah, blah. like fine. I mean, I, I, I see, and and I see this 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 being inside of you that that's tender and wants to be you yeah know. just needed a hug musical you to hug. hug and you talk too sweetly and I think I think that's you know really the one of the things that I've learned through the years and and, and still learning I, for me it's a, a constant and never and there's no like pinnacle to get to that's why I'm attracted to it because I do enjoy learning and uh, it's an it's a lifelong practice you know it's a lifelong study.
0: But yeah, I think, uh, you know, that is interesting and it's, it's a process to learn for ourselves what we need at different times. I've found, you know, when I started getting to this work, I was like very much guided into the masculine and balancing that and learning to be more direct and and be safe in that. And the mentor and coach I sought out very much embodied that. And then there was a real shift, you know, less than a year ago. And it was like, uh, I was actually in a, in a pipe ceremony with Yoshi, and he was talking about the white buffalo calf woman. And I was like, oh, that's what I need. I need the wise woman. I need the, that like elder feminine, you know? And so it's been an, a, an embracing and integrating of that. And, you know, it, it's cool how you're able to sort of work with those different parts of people and maybe see what they need behind that sort of projected defense and for me it's been a really interesting unfolding to start to feel into what i need and trust that you know and it's been sort of an integrating process throughout that and i find you know with the first crew of people i was sitting with in the between canada and mexico it was like hyper hyper masculine there was a a, almost all men really hardcore shapibo, and very little other music and song. And then, you know, in the space that we've shared together, there's a real sort of gentleness. And there's been, you know, really strong feminine energy, especially with the song and the music. And, you know, it's exactly what I needed. And it's just unfolded so perfectly in terms of my own journey and path. And, uh, yeah, just that, that sort of energy that you seem to have, there's, you know, I feel like you can come across maybe as like a manly masculine man, but you've got this real gentle side to yourself as well.
1: Well, thanks, man. Well, <coughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate that. Uh, so I'll say, thank you. I wasn't always that one. That's been, <laughs> that's definitely been my work, you know, uh, for sure. And, um, yeah, that integration of, of both the male and, and uh, masculine and feminine within ourselves is, is, is so important. And, uh, yeah, um, that's one plant in particular that I have worked with recently really brought that to my attention in a beautiful way. So it's, yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, there is this, there's this prophecy of the eagle and the condor, which is pretty much a whole podcast to itself. So I don't want to take something so, um, sacred and just like, sort of just try to wrap it up in a couple minutes but it's really the eagle, the condor and the quetzal and um it's the Quetzalcoatl prophecy of 2012 is when when all these tribes can come together in particular the the ego being the the medicine of the north referring to the tribal wisdom but also referring to the intellect of tech the the potentiality of technology and i say potentiality because we're not we're not using it to its potentiality currently Mm -hmm. and then the medicine's the native medicines of the south and particularly the, the heart medicines these medicines of the heart that really bring us into the heart so when we're in the heart then of course we have no other ob- way to express the technology than for the betterment of all humanity and the betterment mm-hmm. of the planet. um i can't remember what it was but it was some some kid had just come up with something pretty amazing thirteen year old kid and they wanted to give him millions of dollars and buy it and he said nope, and he just made it public domain and it's like because he hasn't forgotten yet he's still mm. in heart and you know and he hasn't he hasn't been tainted by what to go by this 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 disease of greed you know mm-hmm. that seems to be insatiable, but it's really when those two things can can come together and work together um can really bring in a golden age. You know, we have the technology to be to be creating free energy. We've we've had the technology for, um, you know, a, a whole bunch of things that the oil companies have bought up, and we've had that we have the technology for um, integration of a lot of different things that would just better everyone's life. You know, and um, and they're being really held back because certain companies. Um, or corporations uh, don't want to, don't want to bum out their shareholders. But, um, you know, we're, we're getting down to the wire now. And the next, the next eight years are going to be very, uh, very telling for where this is all, where this all is going. But the way that another way, um, of this equal condor expression is coming through is, is that, um, we are expressing in the, and this, you know, with these medicines of the South, but then also adding in this, this musical expression that, that we, that we carry here. Um, I mean, America was a, a great, um, great melting pot for music. You know, um, the, the native, uh, American, uh, tribes here have brought the indigenous people have brought more. <laughs> More to rock and roll and more to American music than we're aware of. There's an amazing film on uh, Amazon. I think it's uh, called Rumble, and it's about. Uh, it, it's incredible. And it's uh, just a really great documentary on 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 their their addition and why why we understand uh, rock and roll in the way that, w- that we do, and the African American influence, and the and the Irish bringing their songs, and uh, everyone bringing their songs, mm-hmm. and talents everybody, and and such an amazing melting pot. So. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoy um, uh, mixing it up a little bit. Um, I enjoy holding a, um, a ship people room when I'm down in South America. I hold a very ship people room. And at the end of the night, for every work to be successful, it has to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. So to hear songs in English at the end of the night that are speaking potentially to what a person is going through or or, or maybe just leaving breadcrumbs for them along the way,
0: because
1: mm-hmm. um, ultimately that's all I want to do is leave breadcrumbs for so that person actually discovers it for themselves if i'm mm-hmm. teaching someone or something like that quote unquote teaching them then uh I, you know the, i don't know for me the time of the guru is sort of over where it's like wahe hey, guru everything is guru we're mm-hmm. all each other and, and just are we conscious of that And are we listening and, and it's just it creates too much, too much dependency it's too much work you know And i, I made those mistakes when i first first started um and uh, learn very quickly, <laughs> you know. So yeah. yeah, so for works to be successful, they have to have, to have the beginning, the middle, and the end. And the music can really help land the ship and bring people into a, a really heart centered thing. And, then, and I also read this really fascinating article about chi, qi, um, about um, qigong, and particularly about in China the character for music and the character for medicine. If you look it up, there's an original character for music, which is pretty evolved as two, sort of two sides. And I can't, I can't describe it, but it's a beautiful character. Mm-hmm. It's got three different elements that are um, silk and wood and metal that make, um, uh, that are part of that character. And then the character for medicine is simply that character with a line above it with two slashes on the ends. And you're like, huh, what's that all about? And what it was about was that, <clears throat> And this is this is super interesting because it wasn't just in China. This happened around the world around the same time. And it's part of what we call the Great Forgetting. And it's like everybody was a Qigong practitioner. So they were monitoring and able to hold and maintain their own health and well being. Right? From a not from a um uh, it's too late. What am I going to do? Can I operate on myself with Qigong? No, but from a preventative medicine perspective. And when they were sort of get, getting sick or out of balance, they go to the Qigong practitioner. And guess what he, this Qigong master would use to heal them? He would use instruments and that these, the, the, um, corresponding, um, uh, silk was referring to strings, which is referring to the heart. And then, so that strings—the strings of a guitar, the strings of, a, of an African ngoni or a kora, or the strings of a harp or lira—these are are in that space, resonating with our heart field, right? Wood was another one, which is connected to the liver. So when playing when you're playing a flute, you're actually working on someone's liver, or it's having an effect on the liver, or the liver system. And then metal was the mind, and, uh, and and ultimately there's five, those five elements, just the, way there's, the same way there's five tastes and all that. So it's pretty outstanding. This, this had gone on for quite some time until one emperor just, just realized that, you know, if, if everybody's able to heal themselves, I don't really have control over them. So what he did was he um, made a big thing about creating, taking what was known as healing or what we would consider medicine, but it was music. There was no separation between music and healing it was just music understood and they put this line which represented a, a bundle of herbs with two slashes which were the ties around the herbs and <laughs> That became medicine. And now you had to go, you weren't able to go to the Qigong practitioner anymore. It was made illegal and you had to go into a state sponsored, state, um, approved herbalist who would then put together the herbs for your ailment and give them to you. And within five years, everyone had forgotten about their Qigong practice and stopped practicing Qigong because, of course, it is, it does take time. So it's interesting. And then that, that sort of process happened all, all, all along the way where we, we discovered that or we were taught that we weren't capable of helping ourselves. We weren't capable of monitoring our own health or monitoring our own health or being our own um, uh, our own doctors and that we had to give away. Our, we gave away our power to going into that that clinic with the herb slash on it to say that, OK, you you're now going to tell me what's best for me. Yeah. Um. And then that that sort of prev- that wasn't just in China that prevailed all around the world around the same time. So it's super interesting. It's super interesting, but it's super refreshing when you go down and you you, um, meet some of the Shapibo. I'll say mm-hmm. some because they've also become infected by our virus of greed. Um. And uh, but when you meet some of the people that really still know the plants and can, can tell you know the medicos that that know. They got a thousand different plants in their medicine cabinet, and it's just—it's astonishing. It's—it's it's really, really inspiring, and uh, unfortunately, it is—it is something that is—is is being lost to time, and that's why they were so excited about training um, us ship, crazy shippy gringos, you know, um, because they just like on the reservations here, where uh, the kids on the reservation here, where they want to move to the city and get a Corvette and have girls, you know girl in uh, short shorts doing a bump on their on the roof or I don't know whatever because, <laughs> because of the videos and because of the propaganda and all this stuff, and where she we have a chanel bag or whatever those things are, but uh so they were leaving the reservations, and so it's the same way down in in Peru, basically as the she people living on reservations basically, and <laughs> um you know it's the same thing was happening. They were losing their culture. so now that us crazy be gringos have been coming in and they' studying and actually with reverence and with respect humility uh mm-hmm. it's then it's, it's actually been creating income for those people there and then the younger generation is like wait a minute oh maybe there is something to this and then they're seeing what's happening and you know um and they see people are really you know really chain coming and changing themselves and transforming themselves and so you know it's becoming appealing again and it's, it's and it's almost like they were they're seeing the, the potentiality of the, of the loss of their of this way and so they're you know uh creating a couple databases around the world, you know. There's some mm-hmm. in India and some in England and some in the United States and and in Australia, you know, all these places that have where we've decided, oh, that's really interesting to us and oh, my soul's getting called to that, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's good to hear. And uh yeah, it's interesting when you're talking about the the ego condor and the heart and the mind, something that came to me was this like symbol of uh it was like two hands kind of like this and it was like the balance of the heart and the mind and I ended up drawing that and now it's actually on like a, a range of clothing and it's like become like a, my this logo that I'm working with essentially and you know it just resonated with what you're saying and it came to me through you know ceremony and it's all about that sort of balance and and the, you know so much of us and so many of us are you know letting the mind run the show, but I'm fine it's really you know to me, the heart is like the ultimate compass, you know, and the mind can serve that serve that direction set by the heart, but we've kind of got it backwards a little bit and uh letting the mind run the show and be the compass and the and the servant to that, which is not a accurate compass, I guess for the most part. And uh, you know the other thing that we've kind of been touching on here a little bit is like the sense of of power, and you know there's a lot of fear in our sort of society, and and control. And I guess like what I've seen more and more, probably in my own, as I've dug into this myself, and I see it more and more on the micro and macro level, is just how unsafe most of us feel. And, you know, because of that, we give away our power hoping to be helped or saved or guided and uh, we act out and, and ultimately there's this like massive lack of safety, which is kind of driving our, uh, you know, capitalism and importance on that system. And mm-hmm. I feel like lately I've been sort of talking about this more and more in my own life and I, I feel like I can come off sounding as like an anti-capitalist person, but I think it's just we' we've, <laughs> we've gotten so out of balance with this like sense of safety and community that um you know and the the capitalism over everything has become like the jet fuel or like poison to sort of make you know poison the waters in so many ways. And I wonder, you know, as you've worked with so many people now over the years, like how much do you see that sort of sense of safety at the core of, of, of people's issues?
1: Well, super interesting. You bring it up.
0: Yeah. um,
1: I was just looking for this quote actually from Martin Prichtel. And uh, he says, this is the the words of Martin Prichtel. And I, I highly suggest any of his books. He started reading his books on um on Audible, which is uh, such a gift because he's a um indigenous American that was in the seventies left on a walk and walked all the way down to Guatemala to find his tribe and founded in the Tutsucil Maya and became a not only a medicine man for them, but also chief and it's it's rare that we get to hear and read um such rich offerings from a a native perspective so i've been trying to address this whole idea of safety and um i read this book that where he had quoted it and it, it seemed to be like oh at last i've found a way to be able to express it so i wanted to get it exactly right so this is his words but i share them um he simply says there is no safety ever once you have chosen to love, to tr- to have longing, to follow an art or devotion, you automatically accept your death as payment for being blessed with a mortal life to live out your longing. <laughs> hmm. And that's that's really like more of a truth uh, to me than than any of the other stuff. And the, the the other stuff seems to be a form of control. I mean, um, uh, you know what what. This, there's this thing called uh, the great, the great forgetting, which is um, it, you may have seen it, like okay, like a, an old Robin Hood movie, and they're like, "Don't go into Sherwood Forest, old boy. It's the animals are too terrible there, and there's witches there, and the, you'll die." You know, and it's like, "Come out of the forest and come into our ca- to our castle and behind these walls, and you can work for us in our fields, and we'll tax you, but you'll be safe inside our walls." And has it ever worked? It's never worked. You know, that was the great forgetting It's like you know, come inside from 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 your life, uh, your free life, you know, living off the land and living in harmony with the land. All the scenes of witches that we see are always a woman with, uh, with a bunch of herbs hanging in her place and cooking up uh, potions, medicines. You know, these were medicine women that knew how to cure, you know, and how to ail uh you know heal people and and aid those that were were in need and um and had these these remedies you know um and they were all they got rid of all of them because if you're sick you're more valuable to them yeah, so you know but the idea was come inside these walls and you'll be safe right and that never worked because then the guy inside the other wall said, "I want those walls and that <laughs> that's that's been this whole battle so what we're seeing now is I almost see it as um i i mean i mean Look, what I know I know nothing, you know, bro, but I am just I'm I'm just sharing my my particular perspective on it. It's just it seems to be like it's it's like this isn't working. The walls aren't working, you know, and this system that's been created needs an overhaul, you know. If you run in a car, you got to take it in every couple thousand miles. If you're running a machine, you got to get the oil changed and we haven't changed the oil, you know, and it's uh there's a lot of things under that hood, man. There's a lot of things under that hood, like you know, um, you know, uh, that that that, that uh, a lot of unprocessed grief, a lot of unprocessed shame around mm-hmm. the 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 annihilation of the native people here. A lot of unprocessed shame around the the mistreating of african-americans and uh or africans uh, as slaves and a lot of mistreating of of the irish and 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 others that came as indentured servant i mean there's a lot under the hood man and it's like it's beckoning for like what desmond tutu sort of created in south africa like a truth and reconciliation where it's like you know let's get it all on the table and understand what it is and let it all go and figure out how we can move forward together again, you know. And mm-hmm. uh uh yeah. So this whole concept of um safety and people looking for that safety is like, you know, like pff, I can do the best job I can to like create a safe container and everything is, you know, um, and and of course that is a, a main focus of us, you know, is to have a container where everybody's like safe, but then what? Well, first of all, like an earthquake could come and devastate the whole thing. So we, we we don't know. And not only that, but we're creating a safe container so that people can actually go through really, really challenging experiences. Yeah. You know, and this is something that's like part of like an initiation kind of thing. It's like, I'll be walking down the street and I hear this. These are the the new mufflers that people take the. It's a fad here in L.A. where people take the mufflers off and just pop it all day long and do donuts in the intersection. And I'm like, here's these young these young men that are um have not been exposed to an, 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 an ability of to be initiated into anything. And what an initiation is, is that we're a container that's created for you to actually push you to the edge of, of, of death to push mm-hmm. you to your limit so that you can know what a value life is. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so what happens is one to the uninitiated is that they then push themselves to the limit of death or they push themselves to dangerous limits except it's not a safe container. It's not a container at all. There's no container. And if that car goes out of control, it could run into that house and hurt some people there, or it could spin out of control and go into that, the drive through, or that it could, you know, hit a bystander on the, on the, on the street. So it's like, you know, when I, when that stuff goes on, I'm just like uninitiated males. And there's a lot, there's a lot of uninitiated males here. And, um, you know, uh, for lack of, um, a, um, an initiation into, uh, that we have in Western society, because I certainly wasn't initiated. You know, I mean, I, I had certain levels of it, but, um, you know, there wasn't that structure that, that existed, but the medicine for many of us, um, has become and the things around, that you know living living mm-hmm. don't go cooking over a fire with no running water and living in that way for two three four months mm-hmm. will definitely teach you a lot and definitely humble you you know and um if you choose to look at it as an initiation that that's also possible for you to do it but um you know i am looking for there's got to be some that's part of like that you know that truth and reconciliation has to come with like, what, how are we going to apply ourselves? So we actually, you know, can walk in a responsible way together and how can we work in our, in our manhood as like strong men that are ready to protect what's, what's, what's valuable, you know, and, uh, but not out there just being reckless with our lives and reckless with other people's lives.
0: Yeah. Well, I think like the metaphor of the, the car that goes out of control for the uninitiated man or boy, you know, that can be, drugs and alcohol that can be working too much that can be over exercising all sorts of addictions like that's how so much of that is showing up and why so many people are you know depressed and anxious and unhealthy you know and I feel like that's been a big process for me too Um, and yeah the the lack of intentional conscious initiation is is really a problem and You know, a big part of that process for me has been men's work and sitting in a men's group, and it's been so so amazing to see that process begin to unfold and people to sort of take responsibility and be accountable And, and, like you said at the end, there you know start walking with that sense of you know willing to fight for what's valuable and and what's important and being clear on what that is and all that said, you know like. I feel like, man, I have really dove into this work for, you know, it's only been four years for me really since I was like, okay, I'm a mess and changing my diet or taking some supplements is not going to fix it. I got to like look under the hood here, you know? And I feel like, okay, wow, I am like such a better person for it, but have still so much to learn and so far to go. And I'm just one person. And so like if our you know, human being existence, you know, has taken way longer, dug itself a way bigger hole and has a much like a lot bigger, deeper healing to overcome. I can't help, but also feel like overwhelmed with like how big of a process that's going to be. You know, we're talking about getting on the table. This is what we got to deal with. We got to move past it, come together. You know, it's like, damn, that is, Yeah, I just, it's like hard to see it happening you know, it can happen. It's one step at a time, but
1: yeah, it, it's got to happen one consciousness at a time. Cause I think what we're talking yeah. about is a conscious transformation. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I understand your angst about it. I, I've i <laughs> shared that. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and it's, it's also in the past, it has limited me to be mm-hmm. able to be responsive. And, um, when I understood the depth in this sort of people we say the tonida like the echo that reverberates you know um or the atana it's like it's 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 when we work on ourselves and apply to ourselves you know there was this guy named uh, jesus crystal or whatever his name was and he said a bunch of stuff that got co-opted into different books and different kings grabbed some stuff that he said and you know decided that this is what would be printed and all that kind of stuff but there were some things that he said that just couldn't get like remixed and one of the things this particular evolved individual sir, was heal thyself. And that couldn't really be turned into anything else. So they're like, okay, we'll let that slide. So <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's right there. It's like heal thyself, you know, and, uh, and, uh, the, the yogic principles and the, 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 the Vedic principles are always talking about, they're also talking about the same thing. Just focus on ourselves. Because when we focus on ourselves, when we heal ourselves, we become beacons of light for our families. And then it, for our communities and extensively like it goes out you know and uh, when we think about uh you know how many uh, how many people um a um one person can affect one conscious individual like well, how many people that um was black elk able to affect in his life um how many people was christ able to affect how many people about buddha and tic Han and all these just diff- you know anybody that's you know receive. uh um uh, achieved a certain, um, state of higher consciousness or what we would want to sort of deem as enlightenment as if it's like the some crowning glory thing, but I think just a higher perspective. And, um, um, so yeah, I think that that's, that's really our focus is, and it's, uh, not to seek out enlightenment, but to, to seek ourselves and going back to your, your thing about the heart. It's really interesting because, um, I believe there's a film called happiness, um, it's a documentary, um, with, uh, Tom Shadiak, the, the director. And, um, in it, they visit this place called Heart Math Institute of California. And the Heart Math Institute is outside of San Diego. And for the past 35 years, they have statistically and scientifically proven, medically proven that the heart your heart does 85% of your thinking, but the, the data is considered so far out within the AMA or anywhere else. And of course, then this would threaten all of psychiatric thought and this would threaten all of, uh, you know, um, therapeutic work and things as well, because they've, they literally proven that your heart does 85% of your thinking and that your brain, no, not your mind necessarily, but your brain, the, uh, 10% of, of the brain activity is used To stimulate dream time. And that the five percent left is the ego. And that five percent is what's running the show, or Mm -hmm. what can be running the show, I should say, you know? And um it's our work, the work of this path and other paths is to simply confront that ego. And my first maestro that I met uh Metzah would say, uh would say, um, you know, when the when your ego can fall in love with your higher self and starts doing everything to serve the higher self, this is a good thing. So to work with your ego and to catch your ego and sit down with your ego and see the wounded four-year-old in front of you and see your wounded teenager and bring it in for hugs, bring it in for long conversations and tell them how something's going to be different and try some new things. But it's true. So the heart literally is sending electromagnetic signals to your brain, just electromagnetically. It's also through the spinal column, also sending those electromagnetic things. So it's like, you know, uh, you know, our egos, this amazing evolutionary device is from my understanding, it's an amazing evolutionary device of protection and its sole goal is to keep the body to create as much longevity as possible for the body. So anything that's happening, you stick your hand in the fire, you get burnt and you're like, oh, I'm not going to stick my hand in the fire again. It's the reason why you don't jump off a 20-foot tree, but you might jump off a nine-foot limb if you hang from it because you know you're not going to break your leg, right? It's the reason why you look both ways before you cross the street. So people are saying, lose your ego. They're saying, well, this guy's got a pride aspect that he could lose. But don't lose your ego. Keep your ego Retrain it and work with it and however you can sitting with it in that place of Shiva in that place of nothingness to really have a talk with it to, to fashion it to, to really help you. Because what will happen is you'll meet someone in your heart will go, love. And you're like, I love this person. And then it goes in, and, and then, and you're like ready to go on. And then your ego comes and goes, ah, last time you suck your hand in that fire you got burnt. So you can't do that, you know, and you're like, uh huh. And then it's maybe not obvious, but all of a sudden you create a scenario where then it's just, you're horrible to that person. So, because then it's easier for you to push off because you really, and I don't know all the different scenarios pop up, but it's like, man, the ego is tricky, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And it can be worked with when we really bring it into consciousness and when we bring it into that heart thing. So it's like catching yourself on saying things, especially the way the words that you're using to describe yourself to yourself or others, that's where I've really found my ego at work and all those little yeah. words. And I've really th- found when I started really studying the She People Language, I also started studying my own language and, and, and really getting into the, the, my finite selection of words that I wanted to use to, uh, to carry me through my experience. And I wanted to always use words that were encouraging and kind you know Mm -hmm. and helpful and like supportive you know and yeah and because that's the way i want to be talked to so i want to always use those words and then of course the medicine pointed out that anytime i'm talking to anyone in a consultation or anything like that i'm also talking to myself you Mm -hmm. know this is also an opportunity for me to remember all these things and obviously i need to to learn it now which is why you call me to do this podcast
0: (laughs) yeah yeah, absolutely, and like you said, you're you're sharing those words with other people, but your body is feeling the vibrations of those words and the energy that's you know comes with the intention of them. So you're experiencing that just as much. And I think it sounds funny sometimes to to, to consider our words, and I just want to use happy, positive words. But it is really quite a powerful practice to become mindful of that and. Not saying, oh, I'm going to try to do that, you know, because even that's like leaving a back door to not, you know, be in integrity with what it is you are going to do or want to do. And it, there's so many subtle ways that the ego can co opt that sort of thought process and our words. And I find it is a very sneaky, shape shifting, uh, adaptable part of ourselves. But like you said, it is really about training it to be the servant to our higher selves and and ultimately yeah letting the the heart sort of be the the guide and the ego can sort of follow suit i had this uh, visualization of my ego sort of driving the car and i like put it in the back seat as like a little kid with like a plastic steering wheel <laughs> and i was like oh yeah you're driving back there yeah you're driving like, <laughs> So yeah, it's been a really interesting process to, and still continues to be really, you know, it's, it's so interesting.
1: I, I love the one you said about try, because mm. that's one of the ones that I identified really early, you know, like Yoda's sitting there going, do or do not, there is no try, right? And then I, I actually learned that um, neuro-linguistic programmers, um, when working with the patient, use the word try to ensure that they will fail. Okay, mm-hmm. okay Ryan, try to hate your father now. Right, it's like, well, I don't want to uh, try to hate your father. Go ahead. Try. And th- that ensures that they fail. So what I did was I eliminated the word try and I now put in his place. Um, I'm going to do my best. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, I'm going to do my best to be there on time, you know, <laughs> for example, right? Or I'm going to do my best to do this. And, and that's been fun. And then I've also gotten into word reclamation because there's like a bunch of words. And I, I found this one funny just recently. Um, somebody's like, I was talking about, I don't know, the, somebody made a reference and they said, that's, that's insane. That's, in, that's just utter insanity. And I was like, you're right, it is. Thank you for pointing out what exactly what it is. it is. I am insane. I am inside of sanity. I am firmly yeah. rooted inside of sanity. And that, what you're proposing is is, is, is okay, is actually crazy. Right, so it's interesting how words have become like their meanings have been flipped I'm one of the ones that it's a very long story, and I'll just make it short, but I met a friend and it turned out that our fathers knew each other um uh, in Ethiopia. My father taught in Ethiopia, and his father was my dad's favorite student and vice versa and we got these two gentlemen together after like 30 years of being apart and we selected a day three and a half days weeks in advance and the day that we got together and brought our fathers together and this big re- reunion was a day that mingusto this dictator that took over ethiopia in this horrible coup was ousted by the people because one million people sat around the the, the capital till the guy from uganda helicoptered him out so it's like there's so much quote unquote coincidence, quinky dink, but it's not quinky dink. So I looked up coincidence in the library, in the dictionary, and it's a study of three dimensional objects that meet in time and space. Like g- geometry, as I see it, is three dimensional objects, but the reason for the graph paper is you're moving them around. So you're, you're sort of exploring how they meet in time and space or the fourth dimension. would I would anyway, but that's my, mm-hmm. my press supposition. So it's when these two sh- shapes meet exactly. Like, but they have to be, they have to be the exact size and proportion. So two triangles that are the exact size and proportion when they meet and they, they link up the space that they share together is where they coincide. That's what creates the coincidence, but it it can't be two triangles of different sizes. They have to be exact same size. So it's very interesting. What coincidence means is, so what I extracted from it is like, it is the perfect, it's meaning that you're exactly where you need to be to be learning what you need to be learning. No more, no less. Like it doesn't have to be painted on as it's some grandeur thing, but it's not a quinky dink. It's not something, yeah. that, it's not happenstance. So our society has taken a lot of very powerful words and changed their meanings. And it's really up for us to, to have fun with it <laughs> and find mm-hmm. the ones that really that we resonate with and remix them to like really, really serve us because our language has to serve us after all. Otherwise, yeah. what's the point in speaking, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And on the topic of language, something I wanted to bring up, I guess, is, you know, English is quite a harsh language. It's not very fluent. It's very rigid in many ways. And a lot of this sort of medicine music is in other languages, essentially. Uh, And a lot of it is in, in Spanish. And I find when I hear that, those songs, it just it feels like songs of the earth that's like the or songs of the planet uh like that sense comes to me and i'm just curious to hear your perspective on that you know you, i know you sing in english as well and those songs are also powerful um but there's there's a different sort of resonance with the different languages and there's something with this the spanish especially because there's a familiarity i guess but it also feels ancient and earthy to me
1: yeah yeah, well, you know, you've got uh, Spanish, Portuguese, French, all being romantic languages, right? So they are languages of the heart, and their expressions are much deeper for things that are meaningful in a heart perspective. Mm. Um, I believe that English is incredibly precise in a technical thing. It is the language of negotiation, and that's, that's been the reason why it's spread across the world in the way that it has because everyone wants to use it for business because it's very efficient at doing business mm-hmm. but it's not necess- it it's uh we have to really um we have to really uh seek out ways to express ourselves um that are not so cold and a lot of it is through tone and a lot of it is through um you know uh delivery as well because it can be very cold and technical language. That's why I see it. Um, yeah. But the thing about English and, and Spanish and Portuguese, even they all they all contain this this very interesting verb to be. And uh, so people in most indigenous languages don't have this concept of to be or not to be. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of crazy that we spend so much time, and mm-hmm. that when we're five years old, we're asked, "What do you want to be, Johnny?" It's like, uh, I want to be five years old playing in the sandbox. Leave me alone, right? I, yeah. I want to be a kid. I don't want to have to spend my life worried about who I'm going to be. And we see a lot of people that are using a lot of energy and from some perspectives being very distracted into what do they want to be, a male, man, a woman, or this or that, or like well, have this identification or this group. I want to be part of this group. I want to be part of that group. And it it's... Uh, it's potentially interesting, but it's like you know. I think maybe the the thing was in when the formation of those those languages and the formation of those cultures, there wasn't really time to sit around and ponder if you're gonna be because you were in action, you know. And you yeah, you were being you're were, you're were busy being. You, maybe it was just um gathering berries, or maybe it was washing something down by the river, or maybe it was carrying water from the river, or maybe it was doing something. But you were um you know, we are all in action a lot more. So, you know, our, our society loves comfort as a bit of addicted uh, to comfort we're mm-hmm. the most comfortable people ever to walk this planet. And it's really up to us though, to um, you know, with this, this lot, since the lockdown, a lot of people have like really re-investigated um, what, what does it mean for me to be, happy it wasn't mean for me to be content what 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 brings you real great joy and what's what's luxurious for me i mean for me what's luxurious is sitting around a, a campfire in the middle of the woods next to a stream listening listening to my friends sing a song and laughing together and just telling stories i mean that's sitting in the dirt you know i don't want anything else i don't want the the coleman foldable tent seat. I don't want to be sitting on the dirt getting dirty just having fun or sitting on the log, you know? That's luxurious to me. And I and the thing is I don't seek out the carnival cruise line to come up the river and provide that um <laughs> cabin for me. And 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 I and and so I'm making that choice. And and I think that this is the choice that we have moving forward. is like, what do we find valuable and, and really what's the value in that versus the value in real connection. And yeah, maybe you don't have to sit in the dirt and there's nothing wrong with the Coleman tent a chair to sit on the dark and on the, on, the, on the ground around uh, a campfire in the Midwest where there's no fires, like they're out here, you know, um, but, and rather like, you know, what are we really valuing here and what, what's yeah. it all about? And what's really this, uh, what is that, what is that luxury going to get you? Cause th- those things that are the, like, um, that we're looking for that are outside of ourselves are ultimately not going to fulfill. You know, and it's really the thing yeah. that we we have to look at those those things within ourselves that want fulfillment. And what are they about? And are we in touch with what our heart really really wants, or are we just doing the thing that everybody else is doing so we can post the picture on our Instagram and say, "Look at me! I'm in the Carnival Cruise Line outside the river while my friends are sitting in the dirt." Ha ha! You know, so <laughs> what, what what does that mean? You know, ultimately, and what's the value? And and what's really also what's more sustainable? You know, like uh. You know those those cruise lines are pretty horribly horrible polluters, and you know are we do we want to be part of this global pollution uh, event that's happening, or, or can we can we can we be part of the the solution or part you know part of the people wanting a solution at, at least? Um, yeah, we're trying doing our best to apply ourselves to a solution. So
0: yeah, I'm I'm like as you're talking about that, I'm just grinning because like I'm just like sensing what is luxury to me. And, you know, three or four years ago, living in New York, working in fashion, I'm like, well, it was definitely like $600 pants or a rare out of print art book. And now I'm like, walking around green grass barefoot is so freaking amazing. Like, give me that. (laughs) That's luxury, you know, like I need to, and it's ridiculous because I need to like go somewhere to get it like I need to go to a park. I don't have that at, at home. And I'm like, you know, it's been something uh, I've been getting more clear on. in some of those things are like, what is important? You know, what is really nourishing in that way? And it's like stuff as simple as, yeah, just green grass, bare feet. That is just such a nice feeling.
1: It's amazing. So it's, it's the little things really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like you know if you're up for it, having you back again would be great. But this sure. might be a great time to leave it for for round one. Sure. Well, I man, I, I hope anything
1: I had to offer is uh, <laughs> is, is something worth listening to. And I, once again, thank you so much for asking me to be on, Ryan. It really means a lot. And uh, yeah, I hope we I hope we kept it to uh, something that your your listeners would be interested in in, in checking out.
0: Yeah, I think so. And we'll definitely like share some links to some of your music as well. And Yeah, I said it when we started, but you know, Mm -hmm. you've just been uh, a beautiful person that I've been able to connect with. And I feel blessed, you know, after last time we spent time together, I was just like, wow, you know, the universe has just unfolded for the last couple billion years for you to be alive and me to be alive at the same time. And I got to hear your music and things flow through you and be one of the people that you touch, you know, and affect. And I can carry that on and touch and affect other people, hopefully. And I just, you know, I feel lucky for for that. You know, like, that's
1: that's really nice. Oh, thank you, brother. That means a lot. And you, well, you manifested me and I manifested
0: you. So we do <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks again. <laughs> thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Whether you listen to it on Spotify, Apple, or through our website, it would be great to hear your feedback and thoughts. If you're able to leave a review, it'll really help us share the message and share the podcast with more people. Thank you.